building, I've been waiting for them to uh, do a duet with the piano and the trumpet because I thought, man, that's just going to sound absolutely amazing in here. And I was not wrong. And that's great. I appreciate them doing that. Uh, just beautiful and uh, wonderful. Let's take our Bibles this morning, open to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. We'll begin reading in verse number 17, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Who, being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness." and true holiness. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for, Lord, just the service already. Thank you for the special music, uh, the singing. Uh, Lord, just the messages that we've heard in the, the words of these songs. Uh, Lord, that uh, you would just be honored through it all this morning, and that the name of Jesus would be lifted up today. And Lord, as we come now to the most important time of our service, as we open your word, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would use your word, uh, Lord, as only it can be used in the hearts this morning. Uh, Lord, I do not know the need of any person here today, but Lord, you do. Uh, Lord, you know that today there might be someone that needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, you know that there's someone here this morning that may be just discouraged and needs an encouragement from you today. Lord, you know there's somebody here today that might need convicted. Maybe there's some sin in their life, and, and they need to be convicted of it. Lord, you know the heart this morning, and I pray that through your word, you would speak as only you can. And Lord, that we would be responsive to what you have for us, that we would be obedient to your word now. Bless our time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we began in chapter 4, we're looking as Paul is giving some practical things about the Christian life. In the first three chapters, we were looking uh, about the spiritual aspect and making sure that our, our heart is prepared. And then as we move into chapter four, Paul begins to talk about our walk with the Lord and, and our walk as believers. And uh, as we saw in uh, verses one through three, Paul tells us we are to walk in unity. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so he begins to talk about this walk that we have, uh, this life that we are to live as a Christian. And he says, We are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Every one of us is Christians. God has a desire and a purpose for each of our life. And God says there's, and Paul is mentioning here, that there is a, a way that is worthy to walk for the Lord. There's a way that, is, that God wants us to walk for Him. And, and we saw in the first uh, few verses here of chapter number 4 that we are to walk in unity. Uh, as a body of believers, as a church, there must be unity for the church to be able to grow. Not just to grow for the numerical purposes, but to grow spiritually. Uh, because the, the ultimate purpose is Christ-likeness. We are trying to be like Jesus Christ in how we live our life. And as a church, we're trying to exemplify the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there must be unity in that uh, so that we can grow in the body and become Christ-like. But now, as we see here in verse number 17, he moves to the second way that we are to walk. And this is a walk in holiness. To walk in in holiness. As we'll see as we go through this passage here, there is, a, there is a call for a complete abandonment of the old way of living and working out the new way in our personal life and in our relationships. So his desire is, he says, we are to walk in holiness. 
walk in holiness. Again, think with me what he says in verse number, uh, verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk, right? There, there's the idea of walking. And then at the end there, um, in, verse number, uh, in verse number 24, that he put on the new man, which after God is created in righteous and true holiness. And so his desire as Paul is moving from unity, now as the church is understanding the purpose of unity in the body and why it's so important, yes, it is something that does not come natural. Yes, it is something that has to be uh, worked at, right? It's not something that just comes natural. Now, he says the second area we are to walk in is a walk in holiness, to walk in holiness. Now, we're going to look at a couple of things here this morning, and really pretty much from verse number 17 all the way to the end of the chapter, Paul deals with this walking in holiness. As you noticed, I did not read to the end of the chapter because I'm not going to get to the end of the chapter. Okay, I know that's a surprise. I know that's a surprise, but I'm not going to get to the end of the chapter. Um, but we're just going to kind of go through a few of these verses here this morning because, again, this is so important as Paul is, is writing to the church and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God is trying to help the church to grow in unity, but now he's also trying to help us in holiness. He says we are to walk in holiness. Now, notice a couple questions that we can ask ourselves about this. Number one, who is to walk in holiness. Who? Who should walk in holiness? Notice, first of all, we find this word in verse number 17, therefore. Paul says, this I say, therefore. Therefore. Therefore, right? So whenever, whenever you see the word therefore or wherefore, it means that he's going to say something that has to do with, with, with what just previously was stated, Right? So we're talking about unity, walking in unity, and if we're going to walk in unity, then he says, therefore, now I'm going to continue this, therefore, it has to do with what he just previously said. If we are not going to walk in unity, then I can say this, we will not walk in holiness. Simple fact, right? If we're not going to walk in unity, then we will not walk in holiness, if we're not going to do the very first thing that he says, we're definitely not going to do this one, right? And this is why he says, therefore, because if he said if we're going to walk in unity, therefore, then we should also walk in holiness. Again, this is not just for one or two people. This is not just for the church or the church staff. Again, think with me. Think about the phrase he says in verse number 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not. Notice that. He says that ye henceforth walk not. Now, what does the word ye mean? What does the word ye mean? You say, well, it means you. Well, yes, it does mean you, but it's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more than just you. The problem is, in the English language, we have words that can, uh, that can mean different things, right? The word you here. When we say the word you, it can be either singular or it can be plural, right? If I said, I want you to leave this room, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to these guys on the front row? Am I speaking to one guy? Am I speaking to everyone? The word you, just in speaking, is very difficult to know and even reading whether it's singular or plural. And so as the, the authors were, or excuse me, not the authors, but the translators were translating from the Greek and the Hebrew into English, they understood the importance of knowing whether it was singular or plural. It's important to know that, whether it's singular or plural. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And so they used a way to distinguish singular and plural in their writing. Whenever you see the word thee or thou or thine, it is singular. Singular. Whenever you see ye or you or yours, it is plural. Right? People say, oh, that, you know, that King James, the old English, I just, all the these and the thous and the yees and all that, I just don't understand it. Be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. Because it helps us to know whether it's singular or plural. Because just as what we're looking at right now, what does he say? Verse number 17, that ye henceforth walk not. So is this ye, is this you that he's saying, is it singular or is it plural? Come on, tell me, is it singular or plural? plural? Plural. So that means, guess who he's talking to? Everybody. He's not just talking to the pastor. 
He's not just talking to the church staff. He's not just talking to leaders. He's not just talking to certain people. No, he says he's talking to you, plural, everyone, everyone that knows Jesus Christ. So this is not just something, you know, sometimes we can think there are certain things, you know, the pastor is supposed to live a certain way, you know, he's supposed to be up here and, and missionaries, they're supposed to be up here and then everybody else can just be down here. Where do we get that idea from? Why do we even think that? Can I tell you something? If, if, this is, if this is where the pastor ought to be and the missionary ought to be, can I say this is where everybody ought to be? But here's why we don't want that. Here's why we're content for it's the pastor and the missionary up here and the rest of us down here. Do you know why we want that? Because we don't want to do the work. We, we don't want to really do what the Bible says. Oh, we want to say, well, the pastor is supposed to be in unity, and the church leaders are supposed to be in unity, and, and the pastor is supposed to walk in holiness, and the missionary is supposed to walk in holiness, but that's, that's just for them. I, I, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Well, that's why he says ye. That means every single one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, Paul is saying it is vital that you walk in holiness. I was teaching this in the class the other day, and one of the guys raised his hand. He said, I think I, I, think I know what the translator should have said. When we get to the word ye, they should have just said y'all. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if there were too many southerners in England when they were translating translating this, but you know, that's a good idea. Y'all, right? So again, this is not just for a certain group. It means everyone. It's plural. It's for every Christian. Think about this with me. If the whole body isn't in unity, then the whole body cannot be holy. If the whole body is not in unity, then the whole body cannot be holy. This is why he says, therefore. Because once we are in unity as a body, then we're able to take that next step and walk in holiness. But if there is certain, if there's a certain aspect where I say, well, I'm not going to be holy, that's just for the pastor, that's just for certain people, then your desire not to be in unity is also going to affect the body in holiness. This is where we have, to, we have to understand we're talking about the body of Christ. We're not just talking about individuals, although every individual that is saved makes up the body of Christ. But what we do does not just affect ourselves, is what we like to think. Well, it's just, it's just me. I'm just going to live the way I want to live. It doesn't affect anybody else. If you're a Christian here, you are absolutely wrong because how you live your life affects the rest of the body. If the whole body is not in unity, then the whole body cannot walk in holiness. Think about what he says here. That ye henceforth walk not. What does the word henceforth mean? It's a really interesting word. It means hence means now, forth means forward. Right? I know, you've got to have a, you, you really got to know your, you got to have a doctorate and a bachelor's and a PhD to be able to figure these things out, right? Hence means now, forth means forward. So what's he saying? Henceforth, right now, on. From now on. What's he say? Walk in holiness. From now on, as a Christian, as a child of God, if, you're in, if you know Christ as your Savior, he says, from now on, you are to walk in holiness. And he, and he shows us, he kind of gives us some negative things first. He said, this is not holiness. He said, let me show you what is not holiness, right? He says, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So we've got the who is to be walking in holiness. That's everyone, every Christian, every child of God. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God's desire is for you to walk in holiness, Right? So who is to walk in holiness? Say it with me. If you are a child of God, say me. me. So who is to walk in holiness? Me. Just making sure we understand ourselves, right? We understand it. When he says that we are to walk in holiness from henceforth, from now on, who is to walk in holiness? Me. All right. Just making sure we're all on the same page here. Me. You. We're to walk in holiness. Now notice the second thing. How? How are we to walk in holiness? Notice he says, not as other Gentiles walk. 
So there is a way to walk in holiness, and there is a way not to walk. There's something that we are supposed to do, and there's something that we are not supposed to do. He says we, aren't, we are not supposed to be the same as everyone else. As a Christian, we are not to be the same as all the others. This is what he says. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. So he says, as a Christian, as a child of God, there's a certain way that God expects you and I as Christians to walk. And that is in unity, that is in holiness. He says, do not walk like the other Gentiles. Don't walk the way they walk. If God says there is a specific walk for me here, and I'm not supposed to walk that way over there, then that means the way I'm walking here is supposed to be different than the way they're walking over there. Right? Are we all together here this morning? Right? If there is a walk that I am to walk as a Christian here, and he says, don't walk like the other Gentiles over there, then that means my walk over here for Christ ought to be different than the walk that the rest of the world has. It's to be different. It's not to be the same. Do we understand that as Christians, we are supposed to be different? Please understand, I'm not just talking about Sunday, you know, we're different from the world because we get up and we get dressed and we go to church and we have our Bible and things. I'm not just talking about Sunday. No, no. We are supposed to be different from the world. Different. The walk that we are to be living as a Christian is to be different from the walk of the world. This is what he's saying. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. It's supposed to be different. Can I ask you this morning, aren't you glad our God isn't like all the other gods that men have tried to make up? Are you glad about that? Right? I mean, the, the choir just sang the song, one of my favorite songs, Behold Our God, Seated on His Throne, right? I mean, Behold Our God. I mean, we think about our God, uh, and we think about all the gods that men have tried to make up. Man, we should be thankful that we serve the real living God who created heaven and earth. Amen? I mean, we serve the creator God. We don't serve a God that somebody tried to create. We serve the God who created all things. We, we serve a God that, who cares about his creation. We serve a God who listens to his children when we call out to him. We serve a God who loves us and is prepared a place for us. Isn't, aren't you glad that you serve that kind of God and not the God that these other people have tried to create? That's the God that we serve. We serve the true and living God. Well, what's the difference? He's not like anybody else. Our God that we serve is not like all the other gods. He is vastly different. And we're glad about that. Amen? We're glad that he is not anywhere near like these other gods that men have tried to create. He's different. And in the same way that he is holy, different, so he wants you and I to be holy, to be different. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 15 and 16, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy, and notice this, in all manner of conversation. What's he saying? Your lifestyle, the way that you live, is to be different than the rest of the world. The way that you live your life, your walk, is to be different from the walk of the rest of the world. What is so unfortunate is, is as Christians so many times we say, okay, I know there's a walk that God has for me, but instead of staying where God has for me, we keep trying to get closer and closer to what the, how the world is walking. God said, that's not what I want. I don't want you to be the same. Do we want our God to be the same as their gods? That was a question, by the way. No. We would say, no, I, we don't want our God to be the same like theirs. Exactly. Then why would we not think that God says, just as you want our God to be different from their gods, God says I, he wants us, who are his children, to be different from them. We wouldn't want our God to be the same. And God says the same. I don't want you to be the same. 
I want you to be different. He says, because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. God's desire is that you and I as Christians are to be different. We are to walk in holiness. That word, sometimes we get this, we get this idea of, of holiness as like some, some super spiritual meaning. No, the word holy simply means to be set apart. It means to be different. We, we say this is the, the holy Bible. Why do we say it's holy? Because it's different. It's set apart from all other books. That's what the word holy means. It means to be set apart. We say, we say that our God is a holy God. Why? He is set apart from all the other gods. And he says, just as I am holy, I am calling you, my children, to be holy. How? In all manner of conversation. Not just when you go to church on Sunday and put on, a, put on nice clothes and make yourself look good and, and, you know, to impress everybody when you get there, it'd be like, everything was great this whole week, right? I mean, because you have the perfect family, right? I mean, you weren't arguing with your kids or your wife before you got to church that morning, five minutes before you walked through the doors. No, no, no. And you didn't have any problems throughout the week. No, no. You've got it figured out. You got, you, I mean, you guys are just perfect. And that's why when you come in, everybody just thinks you are holy. No, we don't have it figured out, do we? We don't have it figured out. And this is why he says we have to walk in holiness. Not just on Sundays when we come to church and we're in front of everybody and we want everybody to think we've got it figured out, but every day, day in and day out, God's desire is that we walk in holiness, that we live in such a way that exemplifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as we're growing in unity, our, our standard, what, our, what we're trying to reach is Christ-likeness. Look, we, we know we can never reach Christ's level of perfection, but we should be endeavoring to be more and more and more like Jesus Christ every day. Look, we're not trying to be like Jesus Christ to be able to keep our salvation. No, friend, that, that got settled when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That got settled whenever that day was. I hope you remember when that day was. I hope you remember the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's settled. But now every day, we had a desire to be more like Jesus Christ in how we live our life. That's what he's telling us in the book of Romans. We are being conformed to the image of his son. We are, this is what he's saying. Walk in holiness. We're not to imitate the life of the world around us. We're not to imitate the life of the unsaved. Think about what he says. Walk not as other Gentiles walk. Why? Because they're dead. They're dead. Remember, we read that in Ephesians chapter 2. We were, we were dead in trespasses and sins, right? Just like the rest of the world, but because of Christ, now we have been made alive. But the rest of the world is still dead in trespasses and sins. And so why would we want to walk, why would we want to live a life imitating those who are dead in trespasses and sins? It says, don't walk as other Gentiles walk. No, no, don't do that. So we've seen who is to walk in holiness. That is everyone who calls themselves a Christian, those that know Christ as their Savior. How? We are not to walk as others. We are to walk in holiness like Jesus Christ. But notice where. Where? Look what he says at the end of verse number 17. He says, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. I want you to notice that phrase, in the vanity of their mind. And then go down with me in verse number 23. What does he say? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. He says, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Do you notice the emphasis on the mind? If you want to know where true holiness begins, it does not begin on what you're wearing. You want to know what true holy, where true holiness begins, it does not begin in what you say. If you want to know where true holiness begins, it begins in the heart and in the mind. That's where true holiness begins. You see, we have this idea that holiness is, as long as I look the part, as long as I say the right things, then I must be holy. Wrong. You can look the right part and you can say the right things and not be holy. Not at all. 
It begins in the mind. It begins in our hearts. Again, think about what he says here. It, it, don't walk in the vanity of their mind as, as they walk, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Think about this. Many religions and churches, they emphasize the body. They emphasize the outward actions. But God emphasizes the heart. God emphasizes the mind. Why is the mind so important? Well, think about what he says here. Notice the emphasis on thinking here. Verse 17, under the mind, right? The vanity of the mind. In verse number 18, their understanding being darkened. Uh, They're ignorant. They're blinded heart. Think about this. When a person gets saved, there is a change of, of mind. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, there is a change of mind when they trust Christ. The, the whole outlook of a person changes, right? This is why repentance is necessary for salvation. Repentance is necessary for salvation, right? Because if a person does not repent, if they don't change the way they're thinking of things, if they're not changing their mind, about their sin, there is no salvation. That there must be repentance, and this is what he says, there is a change of mind. When, when I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, I had to admit and recognize that I was a sinner and my good works could not save me. I had to recognize that my sin, not my parents' sin or my siblings' sin or anybody else's sin, but my sin was gonna send me to hell. Now, we don't like to hear that. The world doesn't want to hear that. The world wants to say, well, I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. I mean, I go to church every once in a while, and, and, and I give in the offering, and I help the poor, and, and I do a lot of good things. Here's the problem. You haven't changed your mind yet. Your mind hasn't been changed to see the way God sees. That's, what, that's repentance, right? We are seeing things, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I go to church. I keep the Ten Commandments. I do all these different things. And God says, you want to know what he says? He says, you are not good. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that is good, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. He says, you're not good. And in order to be saved, there has to be a change of mind. I have to say, you know what? I'm not good. My, my, all the things that I think are good are never enough to take me to heaven. I have to see myself the way God sees me. And when I look at the way God sees me, he sees me as a sinner lost and on my way to a devil's hell. And so there is a change of mind. I'm not good. I'm seeing myself the way God sees me. And now when I see the way God sees me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call out for help. I'm going to call out for salvation because I see the way God says that I'm lost and on my way to devil's hell. And if I don't cry out to Jesus, I will spend eternity in the lake of fire. You understand, there's, there's a change of mind that takes place. When a person accepts Jesus Christ, they've, they've stopped seeing themselves as good and they've recognized that Jesus is the only one who is good and he's the only one that can save them from their sin. And so we change our mind, but here's what happens. When we accept Christ as our savior, our whole outlook of a person changes. Our goals, our values, our outlook on life completely changes because now I'm seeing things the way God wants me to see them. And here's the thing, friend. If there is no change of mind, now please understand what I'm saying. If there is no change of mind, there is no salvation. If a person says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to believe in Jesus, but I'm going to keep thinking that I'm doing good things, there is no salvation. Well, I'm going to believe in Jesus, but I'm going to keep trusting in my baptism. There is no salvation. You see, there has to be a complete change of the mind. And as we change our thought process and realizing we are not good, but we see ourselves and we admit that God is right, as he always is, and that I need to be saved, I need a Savior to save me from my sins, then I cry out to that Savior and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he saves me now. He gives me a new life, the Bible says. Paul says in Corinthians, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. What's gonna happen? There is a new thought process now. There is a, there is a change that comes into my heart and my mind. No longer is it about the way that I want things to be done. Now it's about the way God says it's supposed to be done. Now, please understand, this is when, I, when I'm saying that, 
it's no longer about the way I want it to be done. It's about the way God wants to be done in our life. I'm not saying that's just an overnight change. Now, salvation, hey, that takes place immediately. But when we're talking about walking in holiness, this is, this is a struggle. This is something that every single one of us struggle with in walking in holiness. Why? Because our flesh, we still have, and our flesh still desires to do the things of the world. Look, let's be honest. If we really knew that nobody was going to care if we were here this morning, if we didn't have a Sunday school class to teach or the kids weren't going to care if we missed or nobody was going to care if we were even here this morning, I wonder how many of us would have stayed in bed. I wonder how many of us this morning even struggled getting out of bed, right? We struggle getting out of it, not because of age or sickness. I'm just saying because, hey, we, hey, Lord's like, hey, you need to be in church. You're like, ah, I just don't feel like going to church today. I just don't feel like it. Man, I've had a busy week. I'm, I'm tired. I, man, I just I had a long week and things didn't go well. And I just, you know, I, it, I, maybe just it'd be easier just to stay home. Look, we all struggle with that. Every one of us does, right? I, I, mean, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I don't know that I've ever met somebody that's woken up and be like, wow, I just get to go to church today. <laughs> I'm so excited. Let's go, baby. Here we go. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that's done that. <laughs> if you do, please video it. I'd like to see it. <laughs> no, most of the time it's like, oh, man. Kids, get up. And what do we say? We've got to go to church today. Right? You see, it's a struggle. Right? But what happens? You say, well, then how do we walk in holiness? When we change our thought process. When we recognize, hey, yes, you know what? My flesh says, I really don't want to get up today. I really don't want to go to church today. But I know that God says I need to be there. And I know I'm going to do it. And yeah, my flesh may be dragging me behind a little bit. And I may need an extra two or three cups of coffee this morning. But I am going to do what God wants me to do. That's walking in holiness. And this is what he's saying. Don't walk like the Gentiles do, right? This, the whole outlook changes, right? Notice what he says here. We've got, I've got to rush through these things here really quick here. Look what he says. The vanity of their mind. You see, a lost person walks in the vanity of their mind. Their whole thought process is vanity. Their whole thought process is empty. Their whole thought process is about things that are worthless, right? It leads to no real substantial purpose in life. Now, please understand, please understand when I say that. It doesn't, when, we are, when we're following the vanity of our mind, look, I know everybody has plans. I get that. You know, I, you know, I have plans. You know, when I, when I get this age, this is what's going to happen. And I've got plans for my kids. And when they get this age, this is what I want them to happen. And, and all these different things. We, we make plans and we have ideas and ambitions and things like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. But are they what God wants or are they what we want? Is it just about me fulfilling what I want for my life? Or is it really about what God wants and fulfilling what he wants for my life? Because we can, we can have all these grand plans and all these ideas and all these desires and things, but if it's not what God wants for us, you know what we need to do? We need to change our thought process. We need to change our mind and say, wait a minute, this is not what God wants. And when God begins to lead and change and say, hey, I don't want you going in this direction. I want you to turn and go this direction. Are we willing to obey? Or do we resist? And we're like, no, that, those are my plans. These are my desires. This is, my, what, this is what I want. God, you can't have those things. Wait a minute. You see, that's the way the Gentiles walk. In the vanity of their mind. Because the things that they desire are not substantial. What is the world after? What is the world after? What does the world think brings happiness? Money, power, fame, popularity. They think all of those things bring happiness, right? Let me ask you a question. How many of those people that thought they had received all of those things when they died took them with them? 
None of them. They didn't take any power with them when they died. They didn't take any fame with them. They didn't take any money with them. They didn't take anything with them when they died. See, all of those things, they are, they're empty. They're, there's no substance to them. They're empty. And this is why he says it's so important that we allow our minds to be renewed by his spirit so that our thought process is of what truly is of importance and value. Look, again, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a job. I'm not saying it's wrong to get an education. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But if that's what your whole life is consumed with, then you're walking in the vanity of your mind. You think you know what is best for you instead of trusting that God knows what is best. And as a Christian, he says, hey, I have a walk for you. It is a walk in the holiness. Don't walk like the other Gentiles do. Hey, you've got a great job. Praise the Lord. Let me ask you something. What are you doing with that job? Are you walking in holiness at your job? You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I just, you know, I'm on a factory floor or I don't see people a lot. You know, what do you mean walk in holiness? Do you think there's a reason why God gave you that job? Do you think there's a reason why God has placed you in the school that you're at? Do you think there's a reason why God has, has brought those friends into your life that, that, are, that are your friends? You see, we, we look at the world, unfortunately, many times the way the world looks at it. Well, it's all just coincidence. It's all just chance. It's all just, you know, whatever, case sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, no, no. God says there is a reason why he has put you at that job. There's a reason why he has allowed those friends into your life. There's a reason why he has you at that school. There's a reason why he's put you in that neighborhood. It is to walk in holiness so that the Gentiles, so the other unbelievers who are there around can see that your life is different than their life. Because again, if there is no difference and we're the exact same, how are they ever going to want to come to know Jesus Christ? There must be a difference here. There is a difference. God says there ought to be a difference in how we are living than the rest of the world is living. Because they need to, need, they need to see Jesus. And the only way they're going to be able to see Jesus Christ is in how we live our life. You see, a lost person walks in the vanity of their mind. Notice, secondly, their, their thinking is empty because it is in darkness. Think about that. Having the understanding darkened. Look, they, they've lost their, their moral uh, perception of values and things. I mean, look at our society today. There is a lack of morality, period. Why? Because their understanding is darkened. They're trying to figure it out their own way. They're trying to say, hey, whatever is right for me is right for me. And I'll just do whatever I want to do. If it makes me feel good, I'm going to do it. If I think it's right, then I'm going to do it. See, that it's vanity. Their understanding is darkened. Instead of recognizing that, wait a minute, there is a purpose in life. This one thinks that because of the knowledge that he has, he's wise. Therefore, he has no need for God. He rejects the word of God. He rejects God. In fact, in Romans chapter 1, in verse number 22, it says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And I say there's a lot of fools in our country today. Not because they don't have a degree. Oh, they got all kinds of degrees. They've got all kinds of education. The problem is they say there is no God. They don't want to know God. They don't want to have anything to do with God. They've fallen into that trap that Satan has laid. As he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, "...in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them." Again, think about it. He says he's blinded their mind. Their mind is being blinded. How? Through the vanity of the world and how they want to live their life. Their understanding is darkened. He's, he's led us to believe that, that success and happiness and everything can only be found in this life, so you might as well live it up while you can now. Look, friend, you're not going to find any of that here. You're not going to find the, the I mean, it's, it's not in the things of the world. You want to know true happiness? You want to know true peace? It's only in Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. Not in anywhere else. It's only through him. Their understanding is darkened. Notice he says, being alienated from the life of God 
through the ignorance that is in them. Because of this darkness, they're alienated from the life of God. They have no part of God. Now, do they worship a God? Yes, they worship a God, but not the God. They've made a God in their own idea. They've made a God in their own imagination. It doesn't matter how often they go to church or how many good things that they do. They are alienated from God because of the vanity of their mind, because of the darkness of their understanding. They're alienated. They're separated from God. They cannot know Him through the things that they are searching. They cannot know Him through the life that they're trying to live. And so again, when you think about this, Paul is saying, look, as a Christian, there is a life of holiness, and then there is this other walk of the Gentiles that is in the vanity of their mind. It's their imagination. It's darkened. They are separated from God. So then, Christian, let me ask you, why in the world would a Christian want to leave the walk of holiness and walk in the way that the world wants to walk when you cannot know God that way? This is what he's trying to, he's, he's showing us the contrast here. alienated from the life of God, past feeling. Think about this. Who, in verse number 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. He says they're just past feeling. They are so wrapped up in the world and in the things that they're doing, they are past feeling. Even when the truth is, is brought to them, they care nothing for the truth. They don't want to know the truth. They're so consumed with the, the lasciviousness, the, the lifestyle, the wickedness of the world and just living how they want to live. They have no desire for the truth. They're past feeling. This is the walk over here that he's saying. And I wonder if, if Paul, again, obviously we, we live in different time periods in different societies, but I'm wondering if as I'm reading this, Paul is, is, is scratching his head as he's writing to the Corinthian church and he's saying, look, this is the life of holiness. This is the life of holiness as he writes to the church of Ephesus there. This is what God wants for us. But yet so many Christians are, are walking the Gentile walk. They're walking the way of the world. And I'm wondering if Paul is scratching his head saying, what? What is going on? That, that way of the world could not offer you anything before. It couldn't offer you life. It couldn't offer you satisfaction. It couldn't offer you joy. Nothing. And then you got to meet Jesus and praise God what a glorious day that was. And, and we met Jesus Christ and he saves us from our sin and he gives us a home in heaven and, and all those glorious things. And he says, now I have a walk of holiness for you. And we say, okay, I can't wait to walk for Jesus. And we go right back to the walk of the Gentiles. Paul says, guys, what, what are you doing? Why would you go back to the walk of the Gentiles? When he says, as a Christian, there's the walk, we are to walk in holiness. Don't walk that way, he says. There needs to be a difference in our life. Look, can I tell you, I, I believe this is one of the reasons why America is in the mess that we are in. You know why? Because Christians are walking the Gentile walk instead of the holiness walk. We're walking more like the world. We're not concerned about what God says. We're not concerned about what Jesus says. We're not concerned about holiness. We just want to do whatever we want to do. Hey, we're glad we're saved. We're glad we're going to heaven. But now let me just live my life the way I want to live it. Friend, that's wrong. That is not what he has for us. And here's the thing, we hear it preached week after week after week after week after week, and it goes in one ear and right out the other, and we still walk the walk of the Gentiles. He says it's a life of holiness, a walk in holiness that God desires, that our life would be different. Now watch what he says. He says, I don't want you to walk the way the Gentiles walk. This walk of the Gentiles and the vanity of their mind, they're, they're the darkness that they're in, separated from God, past feeling. But watch what he says in verse number 20. 
you have not so learned Christ. If this is what you're doing, you didn't learn that from Jesus. If this is how you're living your life, you didn't learn that from Jesus. If this is how you're living your life, you need to go back and you need to start looking at the life of Jesus Christ again. And realizing that his life was not the life of the Gentile. His life was a life of holiness. And his desire is for you and I to live holy before him. Now next week we're going to keep going through this and we're going to look at some things that, that he has for us. But can I ask you a question this morning before we, before we close? Don't, don't tune me out yet. What, what is your walk? Friend, there's only two walks. There's either the walk of the Gentiles or there's walking in holiness. It's either one or the other. It's it's not, well, I'll have a little bit of the world and I'll have a little bit of holiness. No, because when you start having a little bit of the world, you can't have a little bit of holiness. It's either one or the other. Look, I'm not saying your life has to be perfect. I'm not saying you've got it all figured out and you're just a super spiritual Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But are you trying to live a a, a life that is walking after the Gentiles and after the world and after the flesh? Or are you trying to walk in holiness in a way that is different than the rest of the world? In a way that exemplifies Jesus Christ? In a way that's not about me? It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I desire. No, it's about what does God want? What does God desire? What does he want for me? And when I know what it is that he wants for me, then that's where I'm going to walk. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to obey. Why is it that so many Christians are over there when they should be over here? Walking a Gentile walk, a life of the world, when they should be walking in holiness. I wonder with their heads bowed and their eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking about. Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you thought that by being good or by being baptized or by being in a church, Maybe you thought those were ways that you could go to heaven. Friend, I'm here to tell you, you've got to change your mind on that. You've got to listen to what God says. God says there's none that is good. No, not one. God says we are all sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us as sinners deserve to die and go to hell. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and my sins. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, if you'll change your mind and change your thought process and recognize that it's not about your goodness, it's not about your baptism, it's not about a church, it's not about all the things that you've done. No, 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 friend, none of those things. But that you are a sinner lost and on your way to a devil's hell and recognize that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you from your sin. Friend, if you'll call out to him today, you can be saved. That's the only way of salvation. There is no other way than Jesus Christ. Friend, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go but I would like to know how I could be saved. I would like to know how I could be sure that when I die, that I would be at the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or anything, but I would like to pray for you this morning. Friend, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Friend, would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just put it up, put it right back down. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'm saved. Slip it up and put it right back down. Friend, I can't save you. I don't have the power to do that. Only Jesus does. But I know he wants to save you. 
if you'll come to him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'll call out to him, recognizing that you cannot save yourself and that there's nothing that you can do, but it is only Jesus Christ. He'll save you. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know there's been a time in my life where I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know that. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm, I'm positive that I know Jesus as my Savior. I know I'm saved. Praise the Lord for that. I'm so happy for you. It's the most important thing you can know in your life is whether you're saved. But if that's you this morning, say, Pastor, that is me. I know I'm saved. Then, friend, let me ask you, which side are you walking on? Are you walking in holiness? Or are you walking in the Gentile walk? Walking in holiness in a way that's pleasing and honoring to God? Are you walking the way the world says to walk? Just chasing after everything that the world has to offer, thinking that's where true joy and contentment and peace comes when it only comes in Jesus. Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts this morning. Lord, how we desperately need your strength. Lord, to walk in holiness is not something that is just easy to do. It's not something we just flip a switch and it's done. Lord, it's something that we have to to work at daily in yielding to your spirit. Lord, how we need Christians to walk in holiness. How we need Christians to, to live differently and walk differently than the rest of this world that the world might see Christ living in us Father I pray you'd help us in this we need your help Lord one with our heads bowed and our eyes closed we're just going to stand quietly to our feet if you're able to this morning the piano is just going to begin playing softly friend let me ask you has God spoken to your heart about something this morning If God's spoken to your heart this morning, maybe you need to come and pray at the altar or pray right there in your chair. Are you walking in holiness? Are you walking in holiness?